Welcome to Damn Good Movie Memories with your host, Ryan Davis. This podcast is the cure for your long commute and super boring work day. And for this week's episode, we're going to cover the movie Jewel of the Nile from 1985. The studio was 20th Century Fox. The release date was December 11, 1985. The running time, 107 minutes, with the rating of PG. The budget was $25 million, with the box office taking in $76 million, making it the 7th ranked movie of 1985. Rotten Tomatoes gives it 50% rotten from 24 reviews. Roger Ebert at the time gave it 3 out of 4 stars, and here's his review. The Jewel of the Nile is more silliness in the tradition of romancing the stone, which in its turn was a funny action comedy inspired by the Indiana Jones epics. We walk into the theater expecting absolutely nothing of substance, and that's exactly what we get, served up with high style. The movie reassembles three key romancing cast members. Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito, and goes on to a fourth inspired casting decision with the addition of Abner Eisenberg as a holy man of gentle goofiness. Movie industry gossip has it that Kathleen Turner didn't particularly want to make this sequel, and that even Michael Douglas, who produces as well as stars, thought it might be best to quit while he was ahead. But the original contract specified a sequel, and it's to everybody's credit that Jewel the Nile is an ambitious and elaborate attempt to repeat the success of the first movie. It's not just a ripoff. Even so, it lacks some of the pleasures of romancing, especially the development of the romance between Douglas and Turner. This time, as the movie opens, they're old friends, unwinding in can and reminiscing about the good times they had in South America. Perhaps sensing that there is nowhere to go with this essentially stable relationship, the movie plunges them almost immediately into Middle East intrigue. A fabulously wealthy Arab, Spiros Fakis, invites Turner to travel with him to his homeland, for reasons as vague as they are fascinating. Douglas temporarily drops out. After a manufactured spat, he decides he would rather sail his boat through the Mediterranean. Turner is quickly involved in a danger as the Arab reveals plans to usurp the role of a legendary holy man, and Douglas becomes an ally of the great spiritual leader who is known as the Jewel of the Nile. Danny DeVito is somewhat lost in all of this and left for long stretches of the film to wander throughout the desert and suffer meaningless tortures in lieu of a clearly defined role. The Jewel of the Nile expands amazing resources on some of its scenes, including a gigantic spiritual meeting in the desert that is staged as a cross between a rock concert and the Nuremberg Rally. What makes this Middle Eastern stuff work, however, is the performance by Eisenberg, who is a true comic discovery. He has some of the same cynical innocence we sense in Harold Ramis' character in Ghostbusters. He's very wise and very innocent. Some of his best moments involve his bewildering cross-cultural dialogue. He speaks in vast metaphysical concepts, which are unexpectedly interrupted with 1985 slang and pop sociology. Meanwhile, Douglas and Turner have fun with two of the broadest roles in recent memory, 
They fight, they make up, they wisecrack in the face of calamity. Just as Woody Allen and Diane Keaton always seem to be on the same wavelength in their comic dialogues, so do Douglas and Turner, in their own way, making a daily match comedy team. It seems more clear that they like each other and are having fun during the parade of ludicrous situations in the movie, and their chemistry is sometimes more entertaining than the contrivances of the plot. My favorite moment between them as they hang by their hands over a rat pit while acid gnaws away at the ropes that suspend them above their certain doom. Sure, this scene owes something to Raiders of the Lost Ark, but what's new about it this time is the dialogue. The way they break down and confess that they love each other and make marriage plans as death inexorably approaches. And then, when DeVito appears and might possibly save them, there is some business with a ladder that is followed by dialogue so perfectly timed that I laugh not so much in amusement as in delight at how well the mechanism of the scene fell together. For all of those pleasures, The Jewel of the Nile is a slight and lightweight entertainment. How could it be otherwise? And it is not quite the equal of Romancing the Stone. That's not a surprise. For what it is, though, it's fun. And for what it's worth, Douglas and Turner could keep on the road of working in this tradition forever, giving us a 1980s version of the Bing Crosby and Bob Hope road pictures. I guess they don't want to, though, and perhaps that's just as well. What I hope is that a casting director sees Avner Eisenberg for what he is, the most intriguing comedy discovery in a long time. And that's the end of Ebert's review. So as I mentioned in the Romancing the Stone episode, which I did on episode 124, which actually kicked off the movie-only episodes... Romancing the Stone is and was my parents' favorite movie. So I remember them being very excited for Jewel of the Nile. And I also remember that the reaction that each of them had, my mom liked it and my dad liked parts of it. But just like Roger Ebert, they both thought it was far inferior to Romancing the Stone. I'm closer to my dad's opinion of Jewel of the Nile. I I do appreciate they didn't try to simply copy the formula of Romancing the Stone, but the magic and the surprise of the original was just too tough to repeat in the sequel. Uh, There are some reasons and theories, and I will get into that a bit later in this episode. All right, the main cast. I won't really get into the backstory for Michael Douglas, Kathleen Turner, and Danny DeVito. Career-wise, since I already did that in that Romancing the Stone episode. But I would recommend checking out that episode first, if you haven't already, uh, before going further on this one. It will make a lot more sense. And I will say that Douglas uh, didn't make a movie between Romancing the Stone and Jewel of the Nile. Uh, Kathleen Turner did make three films, uh, A Breed Apart, Crimes of Passion, and Pritzi's Honor. Uh, DeVito appeared in one film that we will cover at some point, the hilarious Johnny Dangerously. The director is Louis Teague, and Teague started directing in the 1970s, and he was mostly known for low-budget horror films like Alligator, Cujo, and The Cat's Eye. He also did a vigilante movie with Tom Skerritt called Fighting Back. Alright, let's get into the making of the film. So Louis Teague was finishing up The Cat's Eye, which was a Stephen King-adapted novel, Uh, And then he got the call to meet with Michael Douglas about a sequel to Romancing the Stone. The thing that Douglas liked about Teague's body of work was a sense of realism in his films. He also liked the recognizable human behavior, and most of his early films were low budget. The first draft of Jewel of the Nile was written when Teague was hired. But as most scripts do, uh, it went through rewrites, and Douglas actually worked on the script rewrites while Teague hunted down shooting locations. According to Teague, the reason Jewel of the Nile takes place in the Middle East is because Michael Douglas was miserable filming Romancing the Stone in constantly rainy weather that he said that the sequel had to be a warm and dry place. And the Sahara Desert was 120 degrees and no rain. So it was filmed predominantly in Morocco. It was very rough for the actors, especially since running water wasn't like it is in the United States. So this is the only sequel, not counting Ant-Man, which came much, much later in his career, that Michael Douglas was part of. That's very interesting. Uh, This wasn't necessarily by choice, because he was contractually uh, obligated to do so for this movie, as was Kathleen Turner. So Diane Thomas, who wrote the amazing screenplay to Romancing the Stone, was not available for Jewel of the Nile. And this caused issues with getting uh, Jewel of the Nile off the ground. So, fresh off the legend of Billie Jean, uh, screenwriters Mark Rosenthal and Lawrence Connor pitched an idea about a sequel to Romancing the Stone directly to Michael Douglas. 
Douglas liked that the jewel wasn't a precious stone, but he was a sacred holy man, and that's what sold him on the writing duo. Because of the huge success of Romancing the Stone, there was a demand to get Jewel of the Nile finished and out quickly. Therefore, everything was a rush job, and this likely led to Jewel of the Nile not being as stellar as the original film. Not to mention that Diane Thomas didn't write the script. I mean, she was so near and dear to all these characters. Kathleen Turner did not like the initial script of Jewel of the Nile. She didn't feel it was up to par with the brilliance of Romancing the Stone. So she tried to back out of the film until she was threatened with a $25 million lawsuit if she wasn't in the film because it would have been a breach of contract. Douglas then brought in Diane Thomas as an advisor to kind of sweeten up the script. Both Rosenthal and Connor were very complimentary of Thomas, saying how gracious and professional she was uh, to them when reworking their script. They realized that, again, Romancing the Stone was her baby, and she had a personal interest in the script. She gave many notes and suggestions on how the characters would be in line with Romancing the Stone. Sadly, two weeks before shooting started, a plane crash killed the production designer and production manager who were scouting uh, locations in Morocco, and this was very tough on Michael Douglas and the crew. Avner Eisenberg, who plays the Jewel, was not a trained actor, but a performance clown and like a mime, a juggler, and an acrobat, and this was Michael's idea to cast him. It was also Michael Douglas's idea to include the flying Karamazov brothers as the rebel group opposing Omar. The acrobatic brothers started in San Francisco with their act. Louis Teague noticed in test screenings that the audience's level of interest greatly decreased when Jack and Joan were not together, meaning Omar taking Joan away from Jack led the audiences not to be as engaged, unlike Romancing the Stone when Jack and Joan were almost always together. All right, let's get into the movie. So just like Romancing the Stone, Jewel of the Nile begins with a scene from one of Joan Wilder's upcoming novels. So while the original film had a tale about the Old West, this new scene is about a damsel in distress on a pirate ship. Instead of her beloved Jesse, her new romantic protagonist is Jack, who is, of course, Michael Douglas, who does his best Errol Flynn impression. It's a ridiculous scene, but it's meant to be that way. So we then cut to present day, and just as the ending of Romancing the Stone promised, Jack and Joan have been sailing around the world, currently in the south of France. Jack is having a wonderful time being the free spirit he's always been, while Joan is starting to get a little stir-crazy with the reality of non-stop life and non-reality. And this means she has a career as a successful novelist, and it's fine to take off a few months and travel around the world, but the party has to end sometime and she's getting frustrated with her lack of creativity with her recent novel. Also, she's starting to get a bit bored with Jack, and when your whole world is writing about the ultimate romantic male, this really can't help your real-life partners who can live up to that, especially under the circumstances that Joan and Jack met. So Joan and Jack attend a book signing for her French fans, and Joan's publisher Gloria is also there and sort of worried about Joan's writer's block for her upcoming novel. Gloria feels that Jack is stifling her creativity. Then a Middle Eastern dictator or slash emperor named Omar Khalifa, who appears and requests that Joan write his biography about how he's trying to unite the tribes of the Nile in Africa. Joan is fascinated and intrigued about doing this project as it's something different than writing romantic fiction. However, Omar wants Joan to write a story because she is a fiction writer. More on this later. Jack, as you can imagine, isn't thrilled with the arrival of Omar. So when are you going to leave? Tonight. Um, he has a private jet. And... Oh, he's got a private jet. Oh, what the hell? We had a good run, didn't we? Oh, Jack, come on. Uh, this is just five or four weeks of research. Well, maybe you're right. Maybe we need a break. It's, it's been kind of tough lately. Yeah. When the going gets tough, the uh, tough go to Greece. Well, I'll write you. Where? Yeah. Where? I'll go down and give that roulette wheel one more chance. You take care of yourself. 
you stay out of trouble. While leaving with Omar, Joan sees firsthand that Omar might not be the most honorable person as an assassination attempt is made on him. In the meantime, one of the best characters from this film series makes his reappearance. Ralph! This is one of the best scenes in the movie. <laughs> Cartagena, Colombia! Long time, no... Oh, Get shit. Go ahead. Give me a reason. Make my year. Go easy with the gun, right, buddy? Easy, easy. Huh? I missed you. You're all I thought about for six months. They threw me in a jail. Filled with rejects from the communicable disease ward. Every wacko, drippy, open sword, low life was in that joint. All of them wanting to hire on as my proctologist. And rats! Rats! I'm full of rat bites. Ten weeks of rabies shots this long, and all I thought of was you, Colton. Just you! Well, I'm, I'm flattered, pal, and I'm, I'm sorry you had such a tough time. Uh... How about a hundred bucks? hundred bucks? I'll give you a one-way ticket to Heartland. No more jokes. What'd you do with it? What are you talking about? The stone, moron. I'm cocked here. All right, now listen, listen, listen. Let's just talk about this like gentlemen, all right? Gentlemen, did I tell you I got malaria in the jail, huh? huh? Every time I, I shake, I shake like this. You know what happens if I shake my trigger finger? And I feel an attack coming on right now. And you know what happens if that happens? You know what happens? It's the end of Mr. Lucky. That's the end of you. Holy shit. Holy shit! Next time you'll not be so lucky. I am Tarak. You must come with me now. What the hell are you? Omar steal our jewel. El Juhara. Jewel? You were invited with the woman. You can get into Omar's palace. My people cannot. What people? What the hell are you talking about? I don't even know the hell you are. You must come to help me find the jewel. What jewel? The jewel of the Nile. Our most priceless jewel. Oh, that jewel? Omar has stolen my people's jewel. Omar is a very bad man. Oh, that scum. I spit on him. Jack, buddy, let's help this nice man get his jewel back. Yes, yes. Look, I don't know where you're from and what you're on, but I'm sailing my boat tonight. No, you must come to help find the jewel now, before Omar kill many people. As long as Omar have the jewel, nothing can stop him. Look, I'm going on the boat. You guys can do what you want. Yep, Jack's boat blew up thanks to Omar's henchmen. So Ralph wants the so-called jewel of the Nile, and Jack wants revenge on Omar for blowing up his boat. And Tark is part of the rebel force opposing Omar. Omar is a typical dictator who says he's for the people, but in reality he's getting extremely wealthy off them and gives nothing back to the country, while the people of his country live in extreme poverty. Joan, in the meantime, quickly discovers that Omar doesn't want a real account of his life and future intentions. She's basically a prisoner in his palace. She tries to take pictures throughout the town, but is censored at every moment and sees constant violence from Omar's security. One of the cheesiest things in what makes this film inferior to Romance in the Stone are the ridiculous parts which are meant to bring kind of a lightheartedness to Jewel of the Nile. For example, Tark's rebel fighters have boomboxes and listen to western dance pop music like Houdini. You know, the freaks come out at night. <laughs> and then a song from Mark Shreve. So you have this supposed serious meeting with the rebels, which turns into some weird Euro club dance scene in the middle of the desert. But it's the 80s. What do you expect? Plus, the flying Karamazov brothers were incredible jugglers and performers. The problem is it just didn't really fit with the movie, in my opinion. You help us find the jewel, and we give you great reward. But if you lie to us... You'd die. 
I love the line from Danny DeVito, No Sheep is Safe Tonight, <laughs> which is actually the title of the song in the background, Party, No Sheep is Safe Tonight. <laughs> Omar knows that he can't make the people believe in him like they believe in the Jewel. The Jewel is a mythical type of figure that can perform real miracles of sorts. Omar needs to convince the people he can do the same. So that's why he needs Joan to push his myth and special effects gurus to put on a show for him. As you might have guessed, the jewel is not a precious gem, but an actual person. And one of the more endearing parts of the film is the jewel character. He's kind and unassuming, which is why he's beloved by his followers. He is also being held captive by Omar. Jack and Ralph appear in Omar's city, not realizing that Joan and the Jewel are attempting to escape from Omar's palace. It's a shame there are not more clips available, because every line that Danny DeVito delivers is hilarious. Like when him and Jack are walking around town, and he cracks, I bet you could get a great place here for five or six dollars. Of course, Jack and Ralph run into Joan and the Jewel during their escape which leads to an 80s action scene around the village and ends up in an escape in which they flee in an F-16 fighter jet, but they never actually fly. They use it to drive away and also demolish the village at the same time. In the meantime, Ralph and Ralph gets stuck under a sitting donkey like only he can, eventually riding on the donkey to evade Omar. The designers of the fighter jet did such a good job of replicating this jet that it caused an international incident as it appeared on an Israeli radar and they thought it could be a potential threat and the government of Morocco had to get involved and inform the Israeli government that it was a prop for a movie and that it couldn't actually fly. The jet was actually powered by a Chevy V8 engine. So we go back to the film. Ralph gets captured by the rebel warriors who think he betrayed them by stealing Al Jahara, which is the jewel. A good chunk of the film is Jack, Joan, and the Jewel trying to evade Omar's gang in the desert. Omar does eventually corner the trio in the mountains, though it doesn't go as planned for Omar. The black gay for democracy. Do not worry. I'm sure it's not my destiny to die on this mountain. What about us? That's another ball game. Rashid! John Wilder! I wish no harm to you! I'm your friend! Your friend! Please surrender! What'd you do for this guy, Omar, you never did for me? Bloody bitch. Look out!
<laughs> so even though Jack, Joan, and the Jewel evade Omar, they end up in a village which belongs to a local tribe called the Nubians. There's a great line and a nod to Romance in the Stone in which Jack asked Joan if she sold many books in this part of the world, which is a direct reference to when the bellmaker in Colombia was a huge fan and helped them out of trouble that time against Zolo. However, in this case, no such luck, and Jack is forced to have a wrestling match with the tribe leader's son, who is an absolute giant and just manhandles Jack. The reason Jack has to battle the son is because they discover that Jack and Joan aren't married, so Jack has to defeat the son in order to keep Joan. <laughs> the guy Jack has to wrestle was actually a real Sengali's wrestler. So nothing's going Jack's way with this wrestling match until the leader's son is distracted by the jewel performing a few tricks, and while his back is turned, Jack smashes a giant pot over the guy's head, and when the tribe turns around, they see that Jack is pinning the giant after knocking him out, which makes Jack and Joan and the jewel guests for the night in the tribe. So a dance troupe from Senegal was brought in to perform these night dance scenes. So the last half of the film is Jack and Joan attempting to get the jewel to the gathering in Kadir in order to show the people that Omar is a fraud and the jewel is alive and well. So it's not that Jewel Denial is a bad film. It's actually very entertaining and I, of course, love the characters. The problem is that Romancing the Stone is just brilliant and to match the brilliance of a film in a sequel is always going to be a tough task, especially without the talents of Diane Thomas, because she wrote the original amazing screenplay of Romancing and she wrote it for years to get it perfect. It would have been very interesting uh, what Thomas could have come up with if she had written Jewel the Nile by scratch. Also, not having director Robert Zemeckis, who was, of course, directed uh, Romancing, uh, that didn't help either. But how can you blame the guy? He was working on Back to the Future at the time. Of course, the final credits song might be the most memorable thing about this film, which was Billy Ocean's When the Going Gets Tough. There were a number of deleted scenes, and I'll, I'll go through them quickly. Uh, a toast to Joan Wilder. Uh, they're at the French book signing. It's sort of an alternate scene that is a little longer as the French publisher gives her a toast, and he hopes that she writes a thousand more books, to which Joan drops her glass by accident. The next one is Joan is walking through Omar City and notices a shop where the people are watching a small black and white television. The, the show they're watching is actually Dynasty, and which makes Joan laugh. And then all of a sudden the station changes to Omar delivering a speech and the viewers get pissed and throw things at the TV. 
The next one is called Need Water. Jack and Ralph are with Tarek's group in the desert riding on camels. Ralph is dying of thirst and complaining to Jack about it, as only Ralph can. The next one is called This Ain't Easy, You Know. Ralph is with Tarek's group after proving his loyalty to them, and his camel doesn't want to move, and he ends up, and the camel ends up laying down, making grunting noises in the process. So these next two scenes are kind of spoilers, so if you want to skip ahead, go ahead. This one's called Jack, I Wish We Had Gone to Greece. Uh, it's an additional scene of Jack and Joan being held in Omar's lair at the end of the film, and just as the title says, she regrets not going to Greece, as Jack suggested, instead of taking Omar's offer. And the next one is called The Ceremony. This, of course, definitely gives away everything. Uh, Longer wedding scene. They do get married. And the jewel presides over their wedding. Uh, Everything goes great until Ralph can't find the ring, which he already has on his hand. And then the wedding continues, and they are officially married. All right, one fun fact. Uh, There were talks for a third movie called The Crimson Eagle, in which Jack and Joan take their two teenage kids to Thailand, where they are blackmailed into stealing a priceless statue. That would have been interesting. So, Jewel and Out. Definitely don't see it first. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you gotta see Romance in the Stone first. As I mentioned multiple times, if you listen to this podcast, Romance in the Stone was definitely my one of my fa- family's favorite movies. And uh, my dad even created a uh, quiz based on Romance in the Stone. Since we watch it so much, you can hear that quiz on the episode 124. So yeah, and then check this out. Again, it's really hard for sequels, unless you're the godfather, (laughs) to really be as equally as good as a original film. But again, this isn't horrible. It's not nearly as bad as some people might remember. But it will not live up to Romance in the Stone. But don't let that sway you. Go see it on your own. Anyway, we do have a guest. And of course, it's got to be someone from my family, and it's someone who actually does enjoy this movie, and that is my mom. She's back. You loved her on all of those great episodes, you know, like the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack, the Great Balls of Fire soundtrack, Animal House, Easy Rider, things like that. She's back. It's also Ralph Vieira, Dr. Fuck's favorite guest, my mom. So welcome her, and then I will be back next week to talk about yet another random movie from my DVD collection. Okay, so the first episode I did of any specific movie was your favorite movie of all time, and that was Romancing the Stone. Correct. But you barely talked on that. And by the way, this is my mom, Joanne, who you love from all the soundtrack episodes like Saturday Night Fever and Great Balls of Fire and The Jazz Singer and uh, Animal House. Were there any others? No, I think that was it. That was it? That was a lot. Yeah, that was a lot. By far the the most popular guest. Yeah. Dr. Fuck's favorite... uh, (laughs) Favorite guest, so there you go. But so on Romancing the Stone, Dad did the trivia that he gave right, us right. as when I was a child. You were yeah younger, yes. Yes, I was a lot younger then. Uh, yeah, it was funny because he um, he loves doing stuff like that yeah. about you know uh, questions and everything. And so she's rolling fact, her eyes right now as she said that. <laughs> in fact, I think you probably got the most the most highest score. Oh, the no. first time? Uh, no, you you did, did the best I? the first time. Oh, okay. I did better, I think, as I got older. Yeah. But I had just watched rewatched the movie too. Yeah. But he had some that were like, what color eyes oh, was yeah. you know? How you yeah, remember? he gets the way off the wall yeah. type things of uh, you know. I think it was like what kind of animal was roaming in the, <laughs> the, uh, the yard when yeah. they went to get the bell ringer. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Not going to do that. He's probably yelling at his at his speakers right now, but that's okay. <laughs> so we're not here to necessarily talk about Romance of the Stone, though we can touch upon it, but we're going to talk about the sequel, which was Jewel of the Nile. So Romance of the Stone is your all-time favorite movie. Yes, yes. Jewel of the Nile, you're one of the few that actually really enjoy this one. Yeah, so, I liked yeah. it. I, you know, it, I, well, I liked Michael Douglas. I liked Kathleen Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito mm-hmm. was great. Yeah, the movie wasn't as good as uh, *Romancing the Stone*, but I still enjoyed it. Um, you know, it had a comedy and the romance and the suspense mm-hmm. and the you know, and so. Um, uh, well, I, I think uh, Danny DeVito almost got a bigger role in this one, which was good. Absolutely, yeah. He, because before it was him and his brother, yeah. or his, co- his, no, cousin, his cousin Ira, Ira yeah, who yeah. isn't in. They don't even explain. They kind of explain that Ralph was thrown in some sort of prison with rats, which yes, he doesn't like rats. Yes, yes. Um, so yeah, so you get more Ralph, which is always good. Yeah. But I don't think the villain 
is as good as um, Zolo. Oh, so Omar, Omar, who is yeah. like some He's wannabe from, dictator. Yeah, yeah, and he wanted to be the uh, um, kind of the... Holy man. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, and the, and the guys that uh, wound up... Yeah, they're acrobats. They were actually acrobats yes. from San Francisco that Michael Douglas hired. Yeah. Now, some of their antics were a little... Bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would not fit in with what Well, that you was the problem. So they're in the Middle East. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're playing like, um, it's like dance pop music. Yeah. Like, like the freaks come out at night and stuff yes. like that. So it just seemed yeah. completely random. Right, yeah. right. It, it, it just didn't fit, but I like the music. I like the music. So yeah. I overlook a lot of right. that stuff. So did you um, like the character of the jewel? Yeah, he w he was good, and um, he he played that part well. And uh, it was funny how um, when she finds out that he is the jewel, mm -hmm. you know, because um, everyone thinks it's an actual gem. Uh, yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, especially Danny DeVito. Well, that's, sure. That's his big thing was his prize that yeah. you know he wanted to get that. Um, but yeah, no, it it uh, it starts out great. Um, yeah, it feels like it's just a natural extension to Romance in the Stone. Yeah, it, and because they kind of, uh, the ending of Romance in the Stone was they were on his sailboat and... Uh, in New York City. In New York City, and that, you know, his his vision was to sail around the world right. and for her to go. So when it opens up, uh, well, it doesn't open up right to that yeah. point, but um, when they get to it, they're in the Mediterranean, I right. think, and uh, the weather's hot there. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. And she's unfortunately having writer's block, mm -hmm. and uh, I think she really wants to get back home to New York, and he's just ready to go on to the next. And her publisher wants to go back. Yeah. Home. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, you, you think that uh, this is something that they would want to do, but I could see after a while. It's it, old. It, yeah. 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 You, well, that's the thing about a vacation. If you, if it's nothing, if the vacation never ends, yeah. then that becomes your life, and that gets boring. So yeah. you, the, the whole point of a vacation is it's different than your regular life. Yeah. Uh, but you got to think about it. his character has been like that his whole life. He's always drifted. Right. Yeah. And so you know he's never had really roots. So, mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter to him. But that's what attracted at. her to him yeah. in the beginning. Yeah. But how long does that last? Exactly. You, know? you can't exactly. always have. Uh, your beloved Jesse. No. And I can't imagine living on a, on a uh, boat. boat. Yeah. Although I, there's um, a gal that I know, her and her husband, mm -hmm. uh, from the Bay Area, mm -hmm. but they are, they have a sailboat. Mm -hmm. And they have been now, it's been almost maybe three or four years, mm -hmm. they've been sailing around. They, I just got a Christmas uh, letter from her. I guess they're in Budapest. Wow. Someplace. Yeah. And so... Where they want to sail is not the conditions now are not sailing conditions, so they stay in a port. Mm -hmm. And um, do they sleep on the boat, or they actually get off? I think uh, they probably get off and on mm -hmm. uh, their their boat. Uh, it's a obviously it's a big boat yeah. because they've gone all over. And she seems to really enjoy it. She says they've met a lot of nice people, mm -hmm. and I, but that's something I don't think I would like to do. No, but uh, <laughs> people are built differently, oh, yeah. obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay, so getting into uh, the difference. So when, when you first saw this, was it in the theater? I'm sure you saw it in the theater. Yeah, it must have been in the theater that yeah. I saw it. Um, yeah. Because uh, I remember you guys, so if you didn't know already, I'm told this, my mom was the big uh, dubber of all the tapes. So she would rent tapes, and then if they didn't have the copyright protection, she would transfer them onto right. our home video. So we had many movies. And two of them we had to have, Romance in the Sun and Jewel of the Nile, oh, yeah. together. Yeah. Um, if, if not, then my uncle taped stuff off HBO if he uh, didn't change the station in the middle of the, <laughs> of the movie. Yeah. And then you would tape stuff off television as well. Exactly. Like regular television. Yeah. So yeah. we definitely had Jewel of the Nile. So I remember watching it definitely on, on video more mm -hmm. than anything. Uh -huh. So. The scenery was good. Uh, it all took place in Africa, uh, yeah, southern so, southern right. Africa. Mm -hmm. You know, um, yeah, with the the jewel and the uh, where they wound up. I guess um, this Omar um, 
kind of enticed Joan Wilder right. to uh, wanting her to write his biography. Right. But a, but a whitewashed version. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, it's fiction. He wanted a fiction writer. Exactly. Because that's what it was. Yes. Because he didn't want everybody to know how he really is. How he really is. Yeah. 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 You do like some of the music on there. I, so when I did my last episode for uh, 80s movie music, one of the ones that, when the going gets tough from, yes. uh, from Billy Ocean. So yes. obviously you really like that song at the yeah. end. Yeah. That was, that was good. Uh, in fact, I, I probably had it on tape. Mm-hmm. But I don't have I ha- don't have a clue. We do have a big bin of tapes. Of tapes They're probably but, worth a lot for the hipsters I, now. They want all your old tapes. Yeah, there's a, there are a lot, a lot of tapes, old tapes. Well, now, so okay, so email me after if you want to raid my mom's tape <laughs> tape bin. I already got all of her vinyl, so yeah. you can't have that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so going back, so obviously do you, you don't watch this one as much as For Mason Stone. No, when it comes on, I don't turn it off. Though. Right. And uh, I do have it on DVD, mm-hmm. uh, so um, every once in a while I'll, you know. Go so if it, if it was you going back, what would you have changed about Jewel Denial to make it as good as Romancing, or at least a nice, you know, counterpiece to it? Yeah, I. Well, the premise of the story was was good, mm-hmm. but I think, like I say, the the characters, the guys, Warner Strong, uh, that were. Um, going after the jewel mm-hmm. I, I think if they were a little more serious and mm-hmm. not so off the wall type thing yeah. uh, it might have been better um, I know a lot of people didn't like when Joan and Jack were apart see in the first movie they're almost always together right. and the chemistry between them is what people like yeah and so when they were separated everyone started to like kind of lose interest yeah even though yeah. they're not separated super long but it's probably no. a good 20 minutes yeah. yeah and then where you know uh, she goes with Omar uh, to his his palace, palace. Yeah. and uh, yeah so Jack's not there mm-hmm. um, and and they blow up his boat yeah they, oh yeah yeah um, so, and then they they switch off to uh, Danny DeVito being with the, I don't know what they called those guys. The, they're kind of almost the, like, like a, raiders. I want to say the raiders. No, but they're, they're almost like, um, I don't want to call them freedom fighters, but they're like just kind of almost like a militia unit. Yeah. That is like, I, yeah. Just I, I, underground. It's, I guess. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, that was kind of fun, though, how he interacted with them. Yeah, so, eventually he gained so the trust. So they, they, you know, they they skipped around because then there was Joan with the castle, the um, and then the finding compound, the jewel, finding the jewel, and then um, Jack off and doing his thing, and then <laughs> you realize Jack, what you just said. Do, off, Jack, Jack off. off. Yeah, good. <laughs> um, well, we, then, we 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 are not beneath <laughs> that stuff. Yeah. And then Danny with his group of yeah. guys, you know. Um, uh, Sufi, what they call them, Sufi, that was a word yeah, that they uh, used, yeah. uh, I guess was a, supposed to be a good omen or that was the ultimate Sufi. Right. So anyway, um, but uh, yeah, and then going through the, the part where after then Jack finds Joan, yeah. kind of rescues her or she escapes and he says he rescued her and she said, no, she didn't. And yeah. Anyway, they wind up running away and climbing up this mountain. Oh, yeah, when they meet the, the tribes people. When they meet people. the tribes yeah. people. Which, now this is like another dimension of, you know, you're with these, like, Arabs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you get to, like, a uh, African tribe. A traditional tribe. African tribe, yeah. Um, I forget what they call them. I Nubits, the, the Nubians. Nubian, Nubians or yeah. something. But anyway... Um, so, and then that's where... So, you know that guy that he had to wrestle was an actual real wrestler. He was? <laughs> yeah. Because well, he's he a giant. Huge. Yeah, yeah. He was huge. Um, yeah, that, 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 was, that was okay. And that's yeah. where um, Jack and Joan get back together again, right. kind of. Um, and then... But that's where in Romance and Stone, like those little side things. So, it, it kind of matches when they went to the Bellmaker, when they yeah. were in Cartagena. Yeah. Or... They wanted to go to Cartagena. Yeah. I forgot what the village was called. He was a fun side character, the yes. bellmaker, one yeah. the bellmaker. Well, it's not the same with when they go to the tribe, even no. though it's interesting. And it was kind of fun to see the dancing and yeah, it just yeah, it just they no. missed. I know. Yeah. And then when they leave there, mm-hmm. uh, 
they're going for the train to get on the train right. to go to the city of wherever. Which is like straight out of Indiana Jones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and uh, so it just, I don't know. And I think it was, I think this movie was rushed. I think they really had to get it out because that was part of the contract. Yeah. And, and I have this already, I've already said this, but Kathleen Turner didn't want to do, do the movie because she read the script and Diane Thomas, who wrote the original script, wasn't involved. Yeah. And so they threatened her with like a $30 million lawsuit for breach of contract. So she uh, had to do it. So I think a lot of things were against this. Yeah. If they had taken time and actually done a script and got her back, I think it would have been better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm sure Dad... Uh, Dad it, hates this for Well, movie. yeah, and I was going to say, you know, being a writer, he yeah. can see all the wrong things that, what could have been done. Right. Um, you know, the tension and all this, mm -hmm. how he does his plots. Uh, for me, a lot of times, I just go to have enjoyment, and I don't yeah. care. Um, there's times when I want a heavy movie, and yeah. I, you know, but most of the time I want something that's entertaining. So right. this is... It's entertaining. It's not your greatest, you mm -hmm. know. And um, you like this better than War of the Roses. Which, oh, I, I didn't like War of the Roses Now, when's the last time you saw it? Oh, gee, I can't remember. So you might want to revisit it. Might, some movies, are you have a different appreciation after, yeah. after you see them again. But you didn't like it because it was too mean-spirited compared to... Oh, yeah, yeah. and it was it was dark. Oh, yeah. And, and the ending was Horrible. And it's the same. <laughs> and well, I won't say the ending. If you didn't know already, I mean, it's the same three main characters. It's yeah. Michael, Michael uh, Douglas, yeah, Kathleen, Kathleen Turner, Turner, and Danny DeVito. Yeah, but, yeah, but it's it's totally yeah, yeah. different. Um, but anyway, um, so you would definitely you would definitely recommend Romance of the Stone. And, oh yes, and yeah. if you love that, you can see this one. But no, it's not going. Yeah, to be as good. it's not going to be any uh, you know great right. movie. Yeah, um, yeah, something. So, see, they can't all be winners, folks, but that doesn't mean we still don't enjoy them, and that's why it's in my DVD collection. They can't all be The Godfather. Or the, no, yeah, no. So I, I, it, it, is, it is still entertaining. And yes. if you like the characters, it's fun to see the yeah, characters. So. Yeah, um, The ending, I would have... It was okay, uh, the way they ended it. Well, they get married. So yeah, they, but I, I wish it was... I don't know. In a way... It's too bad that they didn't get married, and yeah. it was kind of, you know, that well, it would be open to what's going to yeah. happen. But, um, yeah, that, um, and then they sail away. Well, know. it's still open. I mean, now it's too long. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But they could have still done something with it, but I think mm -hmm. they've all had a bad experience after that. Yeah. And Michael Douglas continued to do great movies oh, yeah. after that, because then he did Fatal Attraction and Basic Instinct, and, yeah. uh, and you didn't really see. Kathleen Turner was, did you ever see uh, Serial Mom? Yes. Yeah. So yes. that was kind of there's a dark comedy yes. that, that worked. Yeah. And of course, War of the Roses. Right. Um, but he's yeah. still doing wonderful things. Like he's got a show on Netflix and everything. Yeah. So. And he played Liberace. And, yeah. yeah. But you don't see Kathleen Turner as much. No. Well, and then she has um, she has a health condition. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, Dave Vito's still around. He's still doing a lot yeah. of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. He's on a lot of uh, sitcom. Yeah. Things, so. And uh, commercials. Yeah. So. Well, as always, thank you. Don't be a stranger. I think you'll be doing another movie soon, but we won't give that away. Okay. So that'll okay. be fun. So. Well, thank you for having me back. Well, this was fun. Well, thank you for having me. That's, <laughs> well, there you go. How about that? <laughs> All right. Thanks, Mom. Okay. Hey, this is Brian Davis, and you might know me from the Damn Good Movie Memories podcast. And now get ready for the Bad Beat Show on ThatMetalStation.com. From 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern every Wednesday night. I'm going to play some kick-ass hard rock inspired by the blues. Because after all, the foundation of all things rock and metal is, of course, the blues. So join me every Wednesday night for the bad beat. Because even when you lose, you still win. We are officially on Spotify now, so if you don't use iTunes, if you don't use the Podbean app, you can go to Spotify and get all of our past episodes. You can stream it on there, so if you're a Spotify user, you can go find Damn Good Movie <laughs> I can't even say my own podcast. Damn Good Movie Memories. Yes, I know what I'm talking about. I'm the host, right? Okay, so go to Spotify, look for Damn Good Movie Memories. You can stream all of that stuff. And yeah, so if you don't want to use iTunes, you don't want to use Podbean, you can use Spotify as well. All right, before we sign off, we do have t-shirts available for sale. All you have to do is go to TeePublic, that's T-E-E, 
P-U-B-L-I-C.com, and you can get your very own Damn Good Movie Memories t-shirt. You can get all sizes, any gender, you can get whatever you want just at the tip of your fingers. So just go to tpublic.com, look up Damn Good Movie Memories, and you can get your very own t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast and are an iTunes user, please do the show a favor and head on over to the official iTunes page for Damn Good Movie Memories. Be sure to leave a rating and a review. This will allow the show to appear higher in the algorithm and spread the joy of this podcast to the masses. If you are not an iTunes user, you can still listen and subscribe on Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook under our Damn Good Movie Memories page. You can also listen to a limited number of episodes on YouTube. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and be sure to tune in next week for an all new episode of Damn Good Movie Memories. I am Dr. Fuck. And I'm the Absolute And we are part of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. We are the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. That's right. And the way you can check us out is we are on iTunes and also Podbeam. And we forgot a review recently. I got this review right here. It says right here, it says, Rock and Metal Combat Podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. And it's my number one podcast signed by Science. Now, and then Science also says... Science! Science also said... My second favorite podcast is It Doesn't Matter, The Rest Suck. Rock and Metal Combat Podcast on iTunes and Poppy. Check it out. Science! Are you ready for the hottest new podcast out there? Check out the Vieira Vault featuring none other than Dr. Fuck Ralph Vieira. You will hear personal stories and personal songs from the vault. There ain't nothing else like it. The one, the only, the original Vieira Vault on Podbean, Stitcher.com, and iTunes. Spreaker. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> This is Stephen Michael from the Growing Up Rock Podcast. If you're like me and my co-host, Sonny Hollywood Pooney, you grew up loving hard rock and metal music. Check out our podcast where we talk to bands and artists that help create the soundtrack to our lives, along with playing some killer new and old deep tracks of kick-ass guitar-driven rock and roll. Find us wherever you find your podcast to listen to, That's the Growing Up Rock Podcast, G-R-O-W-I-N-U-P-R-O-C-K. And feel free to hit us up at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Growing Up Rock. So sit back and crank it up.